there are so many entry points for an entrepreneur into this ecosystem that we all need to know where they can go and what can help and how we, we leverage each other to really lift everything up. Welcome to Ecosystems for Change, the podcast in which you learn how to help all entrepreneurs in your community thrive. I'm your host, Annika Horn. Welcome to the show. In today's episode, I'm taking you to Lincoln, Nebraska, in the Midwest of the United States to meet Christina Oldfather, a seasoned ecosystem builder and economic developer. We talk about the shared objectives and differences between economic development and ecosystem building as approaches to fostering entrepreneurship. Christina spills the beans on how her ecosystem convenes and how they support founders post-acceleration. We also discuss the power of small communities and taking a mindset of giving before you get. And hey, if you're looking for a new exercise regimen this year, we got you covered. Let's head to Lincoln, Nebraska. Christina, if I were coming to your ecosystem for the first time, where would you take me? That is such a good question. And it feels like kind of a lot of pressure as well. Like where is the, you know, best place to showcase Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, yeah. But I think if I had to pick a place to start, it it might not even be one place, but maybe a tour of the coffee shops, um, because that's kind of where, you know, things happen and people meet and you run into people. So that yeah. would be a good place to have a lot of those organic collisions um, with people in our community. And also, I mean, I love coffee. So there's that too. I, I, yes, I'm, <laughs> I'm a fellow coffee lover. What kind of coffee would you order? I would probably order an um, Americano with an extra shot of espresso is my usual go-to. So Whoa. <laughs> yeah, very intense. Whoa, that's a lot of caffeine. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, but I'm also pregnant right now, so I have to get decaf. But mm, I feel it, all you. things aside, it would be a lot of caffeine. Terrific. I am an <laughs> Americano drinker myself, so um, I'm totally there with you. Perfect. Excellent. Christina, you are a certified jazzercise instructor. Please tell us more. Yes. So I am actually about ready to celebrate uh, 10 years of yes. being a certified jazzercise instructor. And, you know, it was one of those things that I started out as a student. If you're not familiar or you're immediately thinking of leg warmers, we don't wear leg warmers. Um, jazzercise really came to its height of popularity in the 80s. And so that's kind of what it's associated with. But it has evolved. It's a dance cardio workout, um, strength-based, yoga-based, Pilates-based very good workout as well, I would add. If you haven't tried it, you should. Um, so I started out as a student and, you know, I actually during that time had just kind of had some, you know, personal issues and things that, that I was working through. And one of the instructors came up to me and said, you know, I think you should be an instructor. My, she said, I've gotten through a lot of hard times in my life with you know, this is an outlet and, and it's mm -hmm. such a great way to do that. And I thought, you know what, why not? There's nothing to lose. So I went through the process um, to be certified. You actually have to audition. Yes, you have to wow. um, kind of show that you have rhythm <laughs> mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, a certain amount of musicality. Um, and then, of course, be able to put together safe and effective workouts. So 
went through that process and have been instructing ever since. So it's a really great way to also set aside that time for yourself um, mm-hmm. to get take care of yourself because you know I I have to be there if class is scheduled. Yeah. I can't just decide to not go. So <laughs> fantastic. So are you a morning person, midday, night, evening, afternoon? Definitely afternoon. 12, okay. 12 o'clock PM or after I'm good. Although I do on Saturdays teach a 7.30 AM, which wow. is a little bit of a struggle. I'm not going to lie, but it's the best feeling in the world to get up early, get your workout done once you've convinced yourself to go and then have it done and have the rest of the day in front of you. I couldn't agree more. That is a a woman of my taste. Fantastic. Thank you, Christina. That actually sounds like a lot of fun. When you come to Lincoln, I will also take you to a class. I I would love that. Uh, I like working out. I like dancing. And if we can combine the two, I think that sounds like tremendous fun. So everybody sign up for Jezzercise in your city. It's not dead. And it seems to be a lot of fun. And if you see Christina, you see it's also effective. Yes. Let me switch over to the other professional part of your life, (laughs) which is why we're talking today. I'm going to name the Lincoln Partnership for Economic Development, Motion, One Million Cups, Tech Star Startup Weekend, Startup Champions Network, Child Advocacy Center. Is there anything that you don't do? Well, I will say um, my top Gallup strength is responsibility. So it makes it, it's very hard for me to say no. But I have tried, I've tried to figure that out. That's <laughs> recognizing that about myself. But you know, there, there's a lot of things that are, when I see how important they are and what a big impact they can have, like I want to, to figure out how I can help and how I can, you know, continue that good work. And, and so I, I put myself in a lot of places. <laughs> It would appear my top strength, according to the Gallup Strength Finder, I can't believe we have this experience in common. Uh, my top one is discipline, which is, I think, similar to you, a blessing and yes. a curse. All right. Uh, thank you for sharing that. Terrific. Now, along those lines, for those who are new to ecosystem building, you will encounter this conversation before long. For those who've been in the field for a while, it is something we've talked about over and over again. So I would really love to hear your take on this, Christina. On the one hand, you are an official economic developer. On the other hand, you are clearly an entrepreneurial ecosystem builder. Are they two words for the same thing? Are they, as we often like to pretend, two ends of the same spectrum? How do you approach this conversation around economic development and ecosystem building? Yeah, that's a, a great question. And I think it's it's a it's an answer that's constantly evolving too. Yeah. Um, for sure. So I see them as they can be different, but they can also be the same. Um so my role at the Lincoln Partnership for Economic Development is as the director of innovation and entrepreneurship. And this has role has been specifically around, I think probably around 10 years um, when this focus was added to our economic development organization that does normally focus on, you know, your more traditional business recruitment, business expansion, um, Mm -hmm. when you think of economic development. Um, So there's definitely a recognition and how important entrepreneurship is to to your overall economic development strategy. And I think 
they're still figuring that out. Um, and, and I would also say, I think that when we talk about ecosystem building, there's so obviously so many pieces to that, yeah. right? Like there's this whole ecosystem of different needs and actors and um, that, that kind of build that up that even like our organization has added two people working on talent, um, which is also, you know, a newer aspect of economic development, but a recognition that it's, it's a need across the entire spectrum. So it's a, I'll, I'll, I'll say a constantly evolving definition, but I believe they, they can be one and the same. Do you have an answer yet for people who ask you how your position came about and how that, how the Lincoln Economic Partnership became so progressive in their thinking to expand that idea of economic development and really including innovation, entrepreneurship, startups, sort of that aspect? Yeah, you know, it's just, it's such a, a, a variety of factors, I think, that came into play. But we had a lot of support from our board in, in understanding how important this can be. We had um, kind of some early things happening. One of the biggest catalysts for this was um, at the state level, there was a some legislation that was passed called the Business Innovation Act. And it was mm -hmm. designed to give grants to entrepreneurs and to startups. Um, and that really catalyzed a lot of activity in figuring out, I think, how we can leverage that, how we find entrepreneurs um, and understanding that importance of creating that infrastructure to grow your own. So nothing singularly that I can point to, but a lot of factors that came together at the right time. Christina, can you tell me about the moment you realized that supporting entrepreneurs as a lone wolf was not going to cut it and that you need to take a systems approach in order to do that work effectively. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I will say, I think that in and itself was also an evolution. I worked for the State Department of Economic Development and they passed these programs that were intended to help entrepreneurs, um, but they're grant programs and they had, you know, certain requirements and regulations and all of the things that you do as a grant administrator. Yeah. I had moved over to run that program, which involved taking applications from founders. And then my job was to go present that to a committee and to basically be the advocate for that entrepreneur. And so I found first and foremost, that I really liked that part of it. <laughs> and like the back end of it was not quite as fun. So being able to sit down with with founders and talk through their idea and, you know, had they done any any work on validating this idea? Because I, a lot of times we'd get things where people are like, oh, I just need $50,000 and everybody will buy yeah, this, you know, naturally, obviously. Um, it's just that's the only thing that's missing is, is the $50,000. <laughs> uh, so we would work through those things. And I think as, as time wore on, it's like, okay, well, there are other places and people and institutions and different, obviously, types of capital that can help create this pathway to success for these founders that are coming in. Um, and then I had the opportunity to move to the local level to work for the Lincoln Partnership for Economic Development. 
and it was really a, a blank slate coming in. There, there was certainly some things that, that were being done that we continued, but it was, okay, the first thing I needed to do was right, connect more deeply with all of these other actors and institutions and figure out how we work together to create that pathway. So I think over that time, you just see how important it is that, yeah, A, you can't do it all for them. Yeah. <laughs> and B, that there are so many entry points for an entrepreneur into this ecosystem that we all need to know where where they can go and what can help and how we we leverage each other to really lift everything up. Fantastic. Thank you, Christina. How long have you been with the Lincoln Partnership for Economic Development? It has been seven years. All right, seven years. Um, Christina, in looking back, what has changed since you started working there? How has your ecosystem evolved, improved, or gone in a different direction? Yeah, um, it has changed so much. When I first started, they had an accelerator locally, which was something that we we supported. And there was a, a couple of meetups and there was people building things. I do think there was like at that time with the variety of programs that had just started, like those programs mm -hmm. at the state and the accelerator, there was a lot of pent up demand from people that had kind of been thinking about these things or saw this as a good opportunity to, to start building something. And so, you know, there's kind of a ebb and flow to some of that, you know, with who's working on what and founders kind of raising their hands. But over that time, I think as we've recognized that as well, there's just been so many additional opportunities that have been created to get those people to raise their hands and to get them to lift their head up and um, engage in the community. So, I mean, since that time, we've expanded the accelerator um, mm -hmm. to partner with Generator, um, which is an accelerator out of Madison, Wisconsin, to do a couple of different programs, actually. So we have a studio accelerator where we're looking for just really smart, talented people to come in and build something. So they don't come mm -hmm. in with an idea. They come in and they they come up with the idea, as well as the more traditional model. We've got things happening at the university that are really tied into our community. So the, the university has also been a really great supporter of um, the Accelerator over all the years. But now they also have some intro to customer discovery courses that they're doing on campus that is really a great um, way to get students and faculty and the community kind of into that first phase of Mm -hmm. thinking about really that lean startup methodology and how to start thinking about building a business. One of the main things I've done since I started is start the Launch LNK program. So it's a program that provides $25,000 grant to early stage startups. We pick five mm -hmm. every year. Um, there's also other funds that have started out really recognizing that that early stage is another place that people need support. Because if you don't have friends, family, credit cards, it can be really challenging um, and create a lot of barriers, especially when we're trying to support a really diverse range of, of founders. There's no shortage of ways to get support, I would say, here in Lincoln, if you're looking to start a, a company. Christina, how did you go about building that ecosystem? You've named some of the key players. How did you start bringing those pieces together? Anything that other ecosystem builders can learn from you? 
Yeah, you know, sometimes I think it's as simple as getting together. Um, there was a kind of squashed a little bit by the pandemic, um, but you know, for a while there, we were having just a regular ecosystem builders meetup um, within our community so that we could say, hey, what are you working on? What are you getting yeah. ready to put together? Oh, maybe I can help with that. Or we can put these two things together. Um, and also, hey, we all know what's going on. So when I talk to someone, I have all the information fresh in my brain <laughs> to be able to pass on to to people that that need the resources. I think the other thing is just the there's just a certain way of thinking, I think, that, you know, sometimes mm -hmm. is you can't necessarily make a specific organization do that. Yeah. But, you know, over time, as, you know, some of these things continue to come together and you see the success of the way things have worked to help in the community, there's just this sense of everybody wanting to figure out how they can help each other, you know, both on the institutional level, but, you know, certainly from the, the founder level and, and all of the other aspects of that. This is actually a super important point that I want to highlight is you can throw definitions and trainings and programs at ecosystem builders all day long. But if people don't change their mindset towards wanting what's best for the community, wanting what's best for entrepreneurs, being willing to listen and putting their ego last. If you can't manage that mindset, I think your efforts are not as likely to bear fruit. But it seems like you were able to generate some of that shift in that culture that people would rally behind. Is it, How did you do that? Maybe you have a, a secret sauce or ingredient to make that happen. Even from the very beginning, I just remember founders pointing to as like, everybody here wants to help, almost like it's more of a competition to see who can help or who can make a connection or, you know, wow. like, yeah, <laughs> um, it's like you go into those, like any of those scenarios of like, how can I help? Not, yeah. you know, necessarily what am I getting out of this, um, but figuring out how you can add value. And I think that's just uh, like on a base layer that's existed in our community. So in that way, I've been really lucky um, to be able to work with people that are all trying to make our community better and, and build the ecosystem. That is fantastic. So, yes. So if I had to list a specific uh, secret ingredient, I think it'd probably be luck. <laughs> no, I would say it's the right mindset of going into conversations asking how you can help. Hey friends, while I have you here, I wanted to extend a little invitation. Join me over on socialventures.com, my professional home and place of sanity, to catch up on the hundreds of conversations I've had with ecosystem builders over the years. You can find out what I'm researching, which events I'm excited about, and how you can work with me. Grab my starter kit for ecosystem builders and join my upcoming masterclass, Ecosystem Building 101, at the end of February 2022. And now, back to the show. Over those seven years, what was one of the harder lessons you've had to learn and how did you deal with it? I guess if I had to point to one specifically, I think it was, especially initially, there is a lot of distrust, maybe is the right word. You know, because technically I'm with the economic development organization, 
um, but we're part of the chamber of commerce. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes I would go to things and and people would be like, well, why, why is she here? She's from the chamber. Uh, yeah, she's from the other side over there. Right. The ones she's with in the money and power. Traditional business. Yeah. And yes. And it was really funny because actually one of the founders um, that I worked with. So one of the very first things when I started, I was trying to figure out, you know, where to start, how to meet people. There was an event in Kansas City for entrepreneurs. Um, someone had the idea, I don't even know that it was me, that we, our office, should pay for a bus to go to Kansas City, bring coolers and, you know, make it like a, a fun trip down and a fun trip back. And uh, so we had quite a few people on the bus. It was a good time. Got to, you know, meet and talk to a lot of people. Well, this particular founder <laughs> was on the bus. And then he um, actually had left our community. We had lunch before he left. And, you know, we developed a really good relationship and um, worked on a lot of things together. And he said, you know, I have to admit that that like first night I met you when you were, we were on that bus, all I could think about is like, why is she here? <laughs> Yeah. Why is the chamber here? Um, so I think going into those situations, not fully appreciating the level of trust that is required mm -hmm. to do this work because, and you have to build that. And so over time, obviously figured out how to manage that and navigate. Um, but it was certainly a, a little bit of a learning curve in the beginning. <laughs> So you build trust with entrepreneurs by um, paying for their travel <laughs> and packing some sodas and maybe beers onto the trip. Is there anything yes. else that you, in looking back, realize helped grow that trust? Grants and um, alcohol aside, we, so actually a fellow ecosystem builder, uh, Beth McEwen, um, mm -hmm. who was in in Lincoln and, and ran our admission accelerator for a while. We worked together on a lot of projects. And one of the things that we noticed was that there was nothing that really existed infrastructure wise for founders after the accelerator. So it was mm -hmm. kind of like, okay, you got through the program, you got your investment, good luck. And so, you know, there was a bit of an alumni network, but there just wasn't anything very structural and regular and mm -hmm. that that occurred and so we got them together and we used customer discovery to figure out what we should do in our ecosystem and brought a really big group of founders together and said what do you need like what would we be able to help provide for you that would help you at this stage in your business and their answer was this bringing us all together. Um, you know, most of them knew each other, but some of them didn't, or they might not, didn't know each other well enough to call each other up and say, Hey, I'm having a problem with this thing. Have you experienced this? Or what are your thoughts on this? And so through that, we, um, listened to their needs and created the CEO founders group that has still been running now for four years, I think. And it's really just an avenue for them to share with their peers and, build that trusted network uh, for themselves, you know, be able to pick each other's brains and, and kind of lean on each other. So I think that has been really the key is taking that same approach we tell founders to use when they're working on their business and when we're creating infrastructure. Absolutely. I'm drinking our own Kool-Aid of the Lean Startup and listening to the customers we're hoping to serve. Yes, 100%. Um, just briefly, the CEO Founder Collective, is that 
is that a program? Is it networking? How involved are you versus what do the participants take care of? How does that shake out? In its current form, we have, it's a, it's a small group, um, 10 to 12. You have to be nominated by one of the founders in the group to come in um, and join the group. And then it's a year long, not necessarily a program, but a year long timeline where we alternate between like one month, just getting everybody together and yep. catching up and what's going on. And then the next month we'll do a full work day where they have identified topics that they want to talk about. And mm -hmm. one or two of the founders will put the content together and essentially teach the other founders what they know about marketing or finance yep. or acquisition or, or whatever they've identified. So it's, it's a little bit of both, a little bit of networking, a little bit of programming, lots of knowledge sharing. Brilliant. I love it. Thank you so much, Christina. Yeah. So after seven years at LPED and hopefully many, many years still ahead of you, what are your hopes for the Lincoln ecosystem? Probably my biggest hope is we get more people starting things um, mm -hmm. and we get more more and more ways to to help people enter and navigate that ecosystem. And, you know, I think the other thing is just more people starting things and more diversity in the people that are start, starting things too. One of the things that I've worked to do with Launch LNK is ensure that our cohorts have a fairly diverse portfolio of companies, mm -hmm. you know, types of founders, types of companies. And um, I want to really continue to be able to expand that and provide opportunities for founders that might have different types of barriers than we immediately, mm -hmm. immediately think about. Great. What is, what is the diversity makeup of your community? Is there, um, who are the underserved groups and what is the sort of the weight distribution there? Yeah. Um, you know, it's, we're in the Midwest. So, I mean, overall, it's not a, a huge amount of diversity, but you know, one thing I've really worked on is how we do support more female founders, yeah. um, because there are unique barriers there. We have actually a pretty large immigrant population. It's Lincoln has been a refugee, um, settlement city. And so there's, yeah, so there's different, there's different things that exist and I would love to see, you know, more work in that area too. But again, I recognize my bandwidth may not allow for that. So, you know, however I can just lift up other people that are doing that yeah. is, is fantastic. Um, but for example, there is a program called the Echo Collective that's working with immigrant women that already have some sort of craft, um, but helping mm -hmm. them figure out how to either turn it into a business or grow it if they're already selling yeah. the items that they make. So there's definitely those people are out there. It's, you know, figuring out first of all, how we find them, how we get them to raise their hand and then how we support them. You already touched on capacity, which I'm grateful for because that's where <laughs> I want to go next. As such a strong community advocate, uh, professional woman, mother, partner, jazzercise instructor, what needs to be in place for you to be able to do this work long-term and sustainably and to keep showing up with a full tank? Yeah, that's a great question. And I'll admit, sometimes I'm not 
the best at ensuring that that happens. <laughs> I yet have to meet an ecosystem builder who says, I got this figured yeah, out. Yeah, I so. know exactly how this is work. Yes. <laughs> um, but I do, I will say that, you know, teaching my classes is, is one of those ways that I do set aside time for myself. It's not like I can just decide not to go uh, because I'm the instructor. So, you know, people yeah. get really upset if I just don't show up. <laughs> um, but that is the time that is mine. I mean, that I don't mm -hmm. have um, my six-year-old needing something or something at the house or yeah. you know, whatever, you know, it's, it's just my time. But then also on the weekends and even in the evenings, it's like sometimes you do just have to say no, which is really hard. And again, yeah. I've not fully figured that out, but um, prioritizing that, that especially as my, my daughter gets older, there are things that are going on with her that, I, that have to take place first. So it's a tough balancing act. I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know either, but I'm glad you're sharing <laughs> your parts. Hopefully we can like piecemeal it together yes. depending on what everybody needs. Sort of along that vein of growth and development, what does professional development look like for someone like you who has a great position in a pretty progressive uh, economic development office? Um, you have so many things going on. Where do you invest and where do you want to grow to stay relevant and, and keep growing in that regard? Yeah, um, that's a that's also a great question um, because I will say, I think sometimes when, you know, there's just so much work to be done that sometimes you kind of put that piece of it on the back burner. Um, Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, and, it, and it's very important, as you said, to kind of continuing to grow and kind of remain relevant as the field changes. I mean, there's... Mm -hmm constant evolution. Probably the main one that I do make time for is Startup Champions Network. Being part of that organization is hugely important to learning what everybody else is doing and what new things they're seeing and some of the patterns that, that are changing and connecting with people that are, are doing the same type of work. You know, and then the other side of it, like some of the specific things, like I went through, um, took some opportunity over the pandemic and uh, completed a venture capital university certification. Wow. And yeah, which was very, you, if you're not doing specific equity deals every day, some of the specifics in the spreadsheets are, you know, maybe not a hundred percent relevant, but certainly to have a good understanding of, you know, I'm working with founders that were giving grants we don't want an equity stake in them. I mean, it's yeah. early. That's not our goal, but that's their goal most of the time. I mean, it doesn't necessarily have to be, but, you know, most of the time, the next step is raising, raising around. So, you know, how can I help with connections and knowledge? Um, that was one thing that I, I identified would be valuable to my work, but always kind of on the search for what, yeah. what else could be learning. Fantastic. Great. Thank you, Christina. Before we move on to the rapid fire round, which I love, I do want our listeners to know that they can find out more about your work at startuplnk.com. They can find you on LinkedIn. There's some chance they may meet you at the Startup Champions Network Summit in April, or will you be out already? 
Oh, it's 50-50. I may be there or I may not. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, either the upcoming Spring Summit or any summit thereafter, hopefully. Yes, yes, definitely. Um, So they can connect with you there. And I'll make sure to put all of these details into the show notes so that people can connect with you. All right. Now to the grand finale of this conversation. I have three questions for you. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. All right. Wonderful. First, ecosystem building is? I think ecosystem building is, um, it's an important aspect of community and economic development. Um, It is also, trust is a very important aspect of it that I would maybe Mm -hmm. put at the top of the list if you had to try to define it. Who is an ecosystem builder that you think everybody else should know about, connect with and learn from? That is a really hard question. Um, <laughs> That's why I get to ask it to one. you. <laughs> yeah, you may, maybe you can mention two or three. Okay. Okay. Well, I mean, first and foremost, I would say anybody in Startup Champions Network, everybody is doing such amazing work and there's so much to be learned from everybody in that group. Um, yeah. If I had to pinpoint like top of my mind, I would probably name someone in my community. Um, mm-hmm. So I would probably go with Scott Henderson, um, who recently, I guess it hasn't been that recent now because of the pandemic, but um, is running our InMotion Accelerator. Um, and he's been a huge, huge infusion of energy um, into our community. You mentioned, how do you keep going? It helps when you bring in somebody that has that fresh energy and gets everybody yeah. very excited. So. I'll say Scott and everybody else at SCN (laughs) and everybody at SCN. Wonderful. (laughs) Thank you so much. (laughs) Last question. What is one resource that influenced you that you would recommend to other ecosystem builders? Yeah. So that's tough too. There's a lot of them, Um, but probably the most top of mind is the new book, uh, Startup Community Way with Ian Hathaway and Brad Feld. So Ian just recently visited Lincoln and Omaha um, and was talking about, you know, the book and and community. And I really like the thing I really love. I mean, there's a lot to to love about it, but kind of how they reframed or refreshed some of the language around the ecosystem and how they name it. And so now there's the addition of the instigator, which I love Mm -hmm. that word um, also. So I, I think that is probably the one I would recommend top of mind right now. Absolutely. I think for anyone who wants to support entrepreneurs effectively and take that systems view, the Startup Community Way by Brett Feld and Ian Hathaway is such a great resource. And it's not a it's not a quick read, but that's what I like about it. It's fairly comprehensive and it touches on so many of the really relevant conversations that we have been having for a few years. And I have a feeling we will continue to have for yes. decades to come in this field. Wonderful. Christina, thank you for your time. Thank you for sharing your experiences with us. And I look forward to connecting with you either in person or virtually really, really soon. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much, Annika. Be sure to find out more about Christina at startuplnk.com and on LinkedIn. And once she returns from maternity leave, you can catch her at one of the summits of Startup Champions Network. Save the date for the next summit in Durham, North Carolina, the first week of April 2022. Before we part ways today, I want to pay my respect to elders past, present, and emerging. 
As traditional custodians of the land on which I work and live, I honor the Tuscarora, Shokori, Saponi, Okanichi, Lumbi, and Ino people. I recognize their continuing connection to land, water, and community. This episode was produced by Yellow House Media.